And it's the New York State of Mind edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am the caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley. How is the weather outside your window right now? Believe it or not, hot and humid. It feels like July out there today. That's awesome. It's, it's very <laughs> New Yorkish, isn't it? Yes. Um, How is the weather in New York? So I look outside my hotel window and it is snowing, kind sir. Oh no, snowing. Yeah, actually, that's not a no-no. I kind of like that. I, I you know. Uh, I tell this to New York people, and they look at me like I have a horn growing out of my forehead, but I like it. And you know why I like it? You never get it. Never get it, and I get to leave it. <laughs> it's it's nice to look at, not great to experience. Yeah. No, I notice I said outside my window. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say I'm out there playing in it uh, at all. So So it's all good. When's the last time you shoveled a sidewalk? Um, never. <laughs> <laughs> that, could change your, that could change your perspective when there's 18 inches on the ground. And, uh, yeah, your, your parents, when you were a nine-year-old, said you want to make $3, go out and shovel our driveway. And $3 seemed like a lot of money when you're nine. In retrospect, I could have said, you know what, hard pass. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, when you rent a car, they put in that little – windshield scraper. Mm-hmm. Um, I avoid that, too. <laughs> so, are, you, are you one of those that just sits in your car, blasts the heat, and runs the windshield wipers until it comes off? And and then damns the windshield wipers because, damn it, they're not getting that stuff off of there. Why are two feet of snow still on my windshield? Quick, quick story before we get to the things that people actually tuned in to listen to. Uh, I went to Syracuse, which deals with snow on a daily basis from October until May sometimes. And uh, I'm from Harrisburg, and that's a four-hour drive up and down I-81, which is usually fine when it's not a blizzard. Well, I decided to drive home from Syracuse once in a blizzard. And uh, my lazy behind uh, didn't even wipe the snow off the top of my car, so there was probably, I don't know, like, like six, six inches of snow on top of my car. Driving, driving home from Syracuse, nobody on the road because no one's stupid enough to be on the road that time. And I'm going probably 55, 60 miles an hour. I hit an icy patch. And, oh, my God, I start 360-ing on the interstate. And to make matters worse, Armando, all that snow I neglected to wipe off the roof is now on my windshield. So I am spinning uncontrollably on an interstate completely blind because my windshield is covered with snow. Somehow, not even a scratch on the car. I, I, I slide into a snowbank, back up, no damage done. But, uh, yeah, somebody up top was looking out for me that day. Crazy. And you are blessed indeed, sir. No doubt. So, Adam, um, the Miami Dolphins lost to the New York Jets last weekend. And then they went and remade their entire roster again. <laughs> because that's what they've been doing for the last, I would say, 10 days. They just, yeah, we're just going to switch everything up. Yeah, I'm going to pull, pull up the Dolphins roster right now, and I'm going to look at names and see if I can actually name their position because uh, it would be a challenge for, I would say, a good 20% of this roster, which is 
incredible, Armando, not the fact that they're turning over the roster because their eye is absolutely on 2020 and what they're doing is building their training camp roster right now, which I think is kind of smart because when they started from scratch last, you know, was it February, March, whenever it was the, the purge began, they didn't have any depth. They had basically enough players to get through camp and then, you know, they saw what they had, which wasn't much. Now they're going to have competition even for the 49th, 50th, 51st, 52nd, 53rd spot. So the back end of their roster should be a lot better next year than it is this year. Obviously, that's great. You want the, the top end of your roster being strong as well. But uh, that, that's what they're doing, and I, and I think it's encouraging. What's even more encouraging is they've been competitive throughout this entire process. They've been able every week to insert new players into the lineup, and they've done a decent job. You know what's not encouraging is that um, we come out of the New York Jets game and third-round draft pick Michael Dieter doesn't start the game and only plays nine plays. No, that's, that's not, not encouraging. You know what else is not encouraging? Mm-mm. Taco Charlton did not play at all, and he only leads the team. In <laughs> game plan, Armando. Sometimes it's game plan specific, and you in some games – the game plan doesn't call for your leading stacker, right? You know, so let's see. Reggie White <laughs> was, was was about a lot of sacks and holding the edge. Taco Charlton with the Dolphins has been mostly about, you know, some sacks. I think he's five. He's a scavenger, by the way. He uh, he he prays. He, he picks on the bones of already deceased uh, animals. <laughs> Quarterbacks that are flushed out, and he's in the right place, right time. That's where a lot of his plays have come from. Fair, but I don't see any any scenario in which this coaching staff would healthy scratch a Reggie White, a Jason Taylor, uh, anyone that's any good. Could you, could you imagine JT's reaction if he was a healthy scratch? <laughs> <laughs> I really couldn't. couldn't. Um, and, and you know what's interesting is they're not lying. Uh, it's game plan specific because they believed that the Jets were mostly going to, number one, run the football. Mm. And what does Taco Charlton not do very well? Uh, stop the run. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not an edge player that holds the edge. That's <laughs> not, so that's problematic. But that tells you that suddenly that one another flyer that they took on a player is not likely to be a lander. They got a lot of people that are up in the air, but nobody lands as. A, <laughs> as an answer to what their their flyers that they're taking on them. Um, so Taco Charlton, uh, J-A-G, just a guy. He's a jag as far as um, and that's, what and that's, Dolphins are telling you. Yeah, and that's fine because they, they're not the one that invested a first-round pick in the dude. I mean, they're, they're getting him for, for cheap. It's... You know, if, if, if he is part of the rotation next year, if he's your, you know, if he's your fourth defensive end, then you got might have a pretty good defense. If you're your starting defensive end, you have the 30th first ranked defense in the National Football League. 
If he's part of the rotation, they're not good. <laughs> but see, look, the Dallas Cowboys don't have a good team. They have a very mediocre team. I think part of that is because of their coach. He wasn't he wasn't part of their rotation. So Yeah, that's that's true. Well, you know, uh the the amazing thing through all this, Armando, and you're right about failures of, of player identification and acquisition. Um but they're still competitive. And they could very easily win their next two games to go five and eleven, which uh, you know is a remarkable achievement. Probably not the best thing long term for the team to do. Uh, I, I'll posit this, Armando: if uh, regardless of the outcome on Sunday, because they can they can help their chances either win by winning or losing, and I'll get to that in a second. But regardless of the outcome. They absolutely have to start Josh Rosen against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's the most important game of the year. That is a must-lose game. There is no way they can go into that game and try to win it if they care at all about their draft positioning. Your thoughts? My thoughts are if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays well against the New York Giants or plays as he's been playing, your thoughts are – Non sequitur and irrelevant about Ryan, uh, about uh, Josh Rosen. You know why? Because the only thoughts that matter are those of Ryan Flores, and he's not going to start the quarterback that does not do what? Give him the best chance to win. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand. It might be time for Steve Ross and Chris Greer to intercede. It might be. They, 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 they yeah, went. They, I know, but it, they should because uh, they, they've let Brian have control of his team, which they should. He's the head coach. But at some point, he is going to damage their chances of winning long-term. And we've, we've reached that, that, that crossroad. They, they almost won last week in a game they, they couldn't afford to win. Uh, Armando, if they would have won last week, if Al Riveron hadn't interceded, they would be picking seventh now, and with the next two games they have, they would be a, not not possible but likely to pick outside the top ten if Al Riveron didn't step in and, and, and change the outcome of that game. So what what is this all for? I mean, I understand not having a number one pick. That's really hard to do. It's not hard to finish with a top five pick if you put your mind to it. And it, if you're finishing outside the top ten, if your picks after all of this are 11 22 and 25, which is entirely possible considering how the Steelers um, and the Texans have gone. Um, what the hell are we doing? Why, why, why even blow it up? Because you could easily finish with the 11th pick without going through all this pain. I want to talk to you about that Al Riveron call, but first let's, uh, let's take a pause for this important word. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Adam, so Al Riveron, if he doesn't interfere, if he doesn't make a call for the New York Jets 
and basically turn that game in favor of the New York Jets. The Miami Dolphins beat the New York Jets. And I would tell you this, he got it right. Of course he did. Uh, of course Absolutely he did. Absolutely the correct call. Yeah. I, I know people were apoplectic and – uh, Brian Flores looked like he wanted to throttle the official uh, <laughs> before he even got to shaking Adam Gase's hand on, after the game was over. I understand all that, and I understand that how invested that team is in winning the game. Uh, go back and watch the film. Uh, Vincent Smith was impeded. Nick uh, Needham got to him early. He grabbed his shoulder and turned him and caused him to not catch the football. It was textbook pass interference. Textbook pass interference and textbook the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, the system worked. And here's the thing. The coach lost his mind after the game and went and chased an official off the field. That's a bad look. Because <laughs> that official had zero to do with you losing. Correct. Nothing. Correct. That official didn't throw a flag to call it pass interference, that official was on your side. And why are you chasing him? You're not chasing him because you're angry that you lost. Otherwise, you would have been chasing officials of previous nine losses. <laughs> uh, so you were chasing him because you thought he screwed you when he didn't. He yeah. made the call that favored you, New York, the town that I am still in and where it's snowing on me, that place made the call that hurt you. You going up to Park Ave today to say a little Roger? I'm going to Park Ave today to talk to Al Riveron and put him <laughs> a headlock and tell him, stop doing your job correctly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great look for the Dolphins. I understand their frustration because and, – and it's hard to get a straight answer as to what they were so upset about. Uh, I think they're upset about this. How can I give you a straight answer when the answer is, I did something ridiculously stupid? <laughs> I think that the, 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 because I asked uh, Patrick Graham yesterday, what different could Nick Needham have done? And the logical answer would have been, don't hit the guy early, you know? Uh, but he said, look, uh, I have to pull up the exact quote, but essentially it was a competitive play. He was making a play on the ball. Um, and, and, and a long way of saying, I don't know what else differently I could have told the dude. So in that building, they are still convinced that they got hosed. That's ridiculous. That's that's so dumb. And if that's <laughs> what they're actually doing, look, any any person – I mean, come on, man. Any person that sees that play understands that it's pass interference. Right. And, and now the coach is going – the assistant coach – the defensive coordinator is going to look at it and with dispassion decide our guy made the right play? Well, guess what? If that's what you're teaching, it's going to happen to you again. Why? Because of emotions. Yeah, I, I think what the, their argument would be is that pass interference is a judgment call. And in the moment, it was a bang-bang play that was, when, upon being slowed down to a millisecond of an hour, you could tell that Needham got there a split second early and turned the dude. And I understand their frustration there. But it's still the rule. That's the rule. If you get to the, the receiver and make contact with him in a way that's illegal before the ball arrives, it's pass interference. It doesn't matter if it's a half second or five seconds in advance. That's, that's what pass interference is. 
it's it's unbelievably short-sighted to not okay, here's correct. Quote, I'm sorry. Uh, he's trying to play football the way we're going to ask him to. So I'll leave it to, uh, to them on that, as in the officials. So basically, uh, Nick Needham was play, trying to play football the way we asked him to. Nick Needham was trying to play football the way his athletic skill allowed him to, which is he's an undrafted rookie cornerback basically trying to survive on an NFL field. And he's going to do anything that he needs to do to make a play, including break the rules. And if he gets caught, well, oh, well, that's life. But the chances are it won't get caught, as it did not, by the official that got chased by <laughs> Brian Flores because he was angry. Yeah, you know, it's 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 wild. It's a play that we'll remember and help give a little spice to a season that's been utterly forgettable. So I, I thank Nick Needham and Al Riveron for that. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, I wanted to I wanted to push forward a week, and as you know, you've mentioned you remained in New York because they're playing in New York again this weekend. They're playing the New York Giants on Sunday at MetLife, and Armando Salguero for the first time this year, Dolphins fans should be happy with the Dolphins' victory. They shouldn't worry about losing their draft spot. And do you want to know why? Please tell me. Because the New York Giants are awful. They're really bad. They're 2-11. And And if the Dolphins lose out, if the Dolphins win and then lose to the Bengals, the Giants are going to end up with the number one pick in the draft. And that's really good for the Miami Dolphins because the Giants have their quarterback. They have Daniel Jones. And unless they pull a Cliff Kingsbury and, 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 and a Josh Rosen and they give up on Daniel Jones after one season – they're not going to draft a quarterback number one. And if the Dolphins end up with a win, end up with the fifth, maybe sixth pick in the draft with two more first-round picks, if Joe Burrow is their guy, Joe Burrow is there to be had. They can package enough to go and get their quarterback. So Dolphins fans, root for a win on Sunday. You might get your franchise quarterback. Well, whether they're rooting for a win or a loss, the team is trying to win. And that's just the way it's going to be. And I can't say, oh, no's. They're trying to win. <laughs> oh, my coach is really screwing up the draft. I assume that he understands that's what he's doing, and I assume he understands, well, you know what? Uh, it'll be fine because we're going to get good enough players that will make it work. And that leads me to the last thing, Adam, and that is this. The draft last year was poo. It looks like it was total and utter poo. Their first draft of the rebuild is poo. Right? <laughs> poo. Poo? Poo. Poo. It got in the first round Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins so far, he's a solid run defense player. Period. He is That's a solid it. rotational defensive tackle, which is he something is you can get in the fourth round. One defense player that you took who does not necessarily or ever, um, you know, pressure the passer. He does not create pass pressure. And so, so far, and obviously, you know, for a defensive lineman, you want to wait a year and a half, two years to see what he really is. But so far, he's a good one-dimensional 
one down guy and one down being the rundown mm-hmm. because the, in the NFL they pass two out of three downs. And so that's that. In the second round, they picked Josh Rosen because they gave up a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. And guess what? He's not it. Another flyer who was not a lander. So that's a bad pick. In the third round, they picked Michael Dieter, and he just got benched. (laughs) And he just got benched and played nine plays, and he might be back in the lineup this week, or he might not. But here's here's the truth. He's not good. He hasn't been playing good. He hasn't been great. He certainly has not been great. But now your third-round pick, people are looking – people in the organization are looking at him sideways. That's not a good look. Sixth-round pick, also a terrible pick. You know why? Because you gave it away in the Josh Rosen uh, trade. So your first, your second, your third. I don't even know who their fourth-round pick. Who is their fourth-round pick? Uh, is it Van Ginkle? We'll see. Okay, so the guy's been injured, you know, the first ten games of the year, and we'll see. He shows promise. We'll see if he's good or not, but we don't know. And then your fifth-round pick, also bad. That's not a good draft. You you forgot about one important player, Isaiah Ooh. Prince. <laughs> So he was a six-round pick. He was cut. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it's not. It's it's, it's not good. Uh, I I will say this. Part of it's their own doing by trading away their second for Rosen. But they only had two picks in the top 150. They're going to have like nine picks in the top 150 this they're year. Second and their fifth for Rosen. Yeah, I think their fifth is next is this coming year, actually. I think they, they gave up their second, second in 2019 and their fifth in 2020. Uh, but your, your point stands that they haven't done much with what they've had. Um, Chris Greer would say we're going to have a lot more uh, top-tier top picks that you have a much higher percentage of hitting on. But uh, if, you're, if your track record so far is Christian Wilkins and Michael Dieter as those premium picks, there's not a lot to be encouraged about. Yeah, and, and by the way – people get all uh, a flutter about top-tier picks. You know what the the winning percentage, what the success rate is on top-tier picks in the NFL league-wide? About 30%, 35%. No, it's higher than that, but it's no higher than 50. Right. You're, you're even money to get it right or wrong. <laughs> so, so, for all we know, Christian Wilkins, who I like, and I think has promise, but so far is, you know, not a complete player and not close to it, the chances are 50-50 he might be, you know, good or bad down the road. Armando, this has been a heavy show. We brought our listeners down a little bit. And, and it's understandable. The 3-10, three, the, three uh, the tank isn't going well. Uh, there's a lot to be worried oh, about. Oh, 3-10 is great. <laughs> but I want to bring. I want to end this show with a little levity, Armando. Are you ready for a game? Oh, please, let's play a game. Let's play a game. This is a game I like to call Name That Davis. Because believe we it or not, what? Name That Davis. 
Because believe it or not, Armando, the Miami Dolphins have three players on their roster named Davis. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah. One is a tackle guard. One is a linebacker. And one is a wide receiver. I'm going to give you the Davis. You tell me the position. Okay. Start with the easy one. Jesse Davis. Tackle. Okay. One for one. Jamal Davis. Uh, linebacker. Trevor Davis. Not a linebacker. Wide receiver, you win! We have our winner! You won! Name that Davis! Congratulations! Your gift is uh, three more, four more days in New York City. That's amazing. Thank you very much. I want to thank all the big people that, that helped me to grow up and learn the Dolphins roster. <laughs> it was being demolished and rebuilt. <laughs> all right, everyone. That's it for this edition of Dolphins In-Depth Podcast, New York edition. We, we should get... Uh, we should get like uh, either Frank Sinatra or Alicia Keys to have the the music around this this podcast. That's we'll tell uh, we'll tell JD our editor to get on it. Indeed, join us again next week when we will tackle the full fledged. We're out of New York, and the Cincinnati Bengals are on deck edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>